Break the Ice podcast is presented by Superfood. Superfood Performance Nutrition has made a name for itself by feeding athletic organizations like the Washington Capitals both on and off the ice. If you have a high-performance team that needs fueling, check out mysuperfd.com for more information. everyone, Mike Vogel here for WashingtonCaps.com. Welcome to another edition of Break the Ice. And this is Alumni Weekend here in Washington, and we're joined by Ken Klee, Caps' ninth-round pick back in 1990. Kenny, how you been? It's been a, it's been a long time. Uh, you were, I think you were in your second season when I started here, and uh, uh, that, that, was, uh, that was a fun team, fun, fun group of guys there that, uh, that I came on board with. You guys all treated me uh, quite well, but uh, how you been, and what's it like to, to come back and see some of your old buddies here? Good, yeah. No, uh, life is good. I got three boys all playing, and, uh, you know, they've had – you know, good little careers for themselves already and are working their ways up. So we're, you know, we're still heavily involved in hockey. I've coached, uh, I got to coach the women's national team. I yeah. got to coach a little bit for the Lightning, uh, the Crunch up in Syracuse. Yeah. And, uh, you know, now I think I've transitioned into a pretty much a full-time coach. And I, you know, I love it. I love coaching kids or pros or, or men or women. I just, you know, obviously the game's done so much for me. It's awesome. But, but yeah, like you said, the comeback here is, is really exciting. Uh, you know, this place didn't. I was laughing when I yeah. when we pulled up. I was like, "This doesn't look like Piney Orchard." It's not like, Piney. It's not Piney Orchard. So it's it's a little bit of a different feel. And then actually, just walking over here, I saw like the pictures of Dale Hunter and Cal Johansson and all the guys that yeah. I played with. Like, it's pretty awesome to to see their pictures there, as well as the guys who are here this weekend, the Nick Kiprioses and Kelly Millers and and guys like obviously Oli. Uh, we you know had a couple. Had a beer with him last night, which is always great to catch up. So him and I kind of came in, broke in very similar. So it's 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 great memories, definitely, for, for both Robin and myself. Well, you had a really fascinating career, I think. And, um, we'll, you know, we'll we'll get into it here. Um, you, you started um, in, in Bowling Green there, and uh, Jack Button apparently saw something in you after that, that freshman year. And, you know, when you look at, at, at the season that you had that year, it was kind of nondescript, didn't jump off the page or anything but uh that year 1990 a couple of really good late round picks Picks, from 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 jack button peter bondra and and yourself and yeah peter over a thousand games in the league and you're just just bubbling under that over 900 uh how did you find out even because i'm guessing in those days the draft was was more of an understated affair than it was now do you remember um what, were you expecting to get drafted, and how did you find out? Yeah, well, I, I mean, like you said, my I think my freshman year was pretty nondescript. I had a, a guy in front of me uh, who was a pretty good player in Rob Blake. So yeah. he, he, ate, he ate 30 minutes a night, and he was, you know, just awesome in college to watch. Obviously, he's an unbelievable player, you know, Hall of Fame NHLer as well. But, um, yeah, no, it was, uh, it was one of those things where my coach, Jerry York, you know, at the time, you know, obviously he's a legendary coach, and he was like, you know what, you might – get drafted this summer we'll see and I was kind of like okay well I you know we'll see how it goes I wasn't really thinking about it and and the draft day came and went and I didn't get a phone call so I'm like oh I guess it didn't happen and then actually I think it was the day after um I was talking to some friends from Toronto where I played uh, junior hockey and they're like oh congrats on being drafted and I was like, no, I didn't get drafted. Nobody called. And they're like, no, you got drafted. It was in the paper. I was like, oh, well, sure enough, the next day, Jack Button called and said, hey, uh, 
Jack Button, Washington Capitals. You know, hey, we drafted you in ninth round. Um, keep working hard, stay in school, we'll be in touch. And then, you know, that was that was basically it. A couple of days later, I think I got a hat and a T-shirt. So I was like, oh, I guess it wasn't a, I guess it was a real deal. But, um, you know, it's just one of those things where, you know, I, I had no idea. I was coming from Kansas City to go play in Toronto uh, to play junior. Then I was fortunate enough to be on a great team, got a scholarship to come back to Bowling Green the next year. You know, things were just happening really fast for me, and, and I was – you know, way over my skis, I would say, and not really with expectation or anything on how it would go other than when I did, you know, sit and watch Rob Blake play and then he signed at the end of the year. I was like, wow, he's he's going to be an NHLer and he's going to yeah. be a good one for a while. So, um, you know, it kind of gave me, I guess, a glimpse that, you know, maybe if I worked hard, I could, you know, not be Rob Blake, but, but have, you know, some kind of career. I didn't know if that meant American League or NHL or what it meant at the time, but it was – it was definitely just uh, kind of an eye opener. Like I said, for me to go from Kansas City to Toronto to Bowling Green, like in that consecutive order, and then you know, it just things fell into place. I always tell people, my parents allowing me to go to Toronto St. Mike's and calling them saying, "Hey, yeah. can I come try out?" The luckiest thing I did over my career to really help, I guess, boost my game, boost my, um, you know, my name out there. You know, obviously I improved a ton, but, uh, you know, it was just a, a fortunate thing. And it was – I'm sure they had a laugh when they said a kid from Kansas City wants to fly to Toronto to try out for our team. And they knew they were going to have a good team. They didn't know how good, but uh, we had Eric Lindros came on that yeah. team. We had – I think we had nine kids get scholarships by Christmas, and, and I was fortunate enough to be one of them. I wasn't in the first few, but I but I still ended up getting it. So it was, it was pretty much uh, just a whirlwind. Yeah, that's a legendary uh, program there at St. Mike's with the buzzers and all. Yeah. And, uh, good launching spot too but you know i feel like when 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 you were here like you were known as one of the strongest guys in the league there there had to have been uh, a point where you began working on on your body and your strength and and that i think had to have had a big impact on you getting to the nhl and staying there yeah no question i mean i i basically in kansas city i i went to a a, a Jesuit school named Rock, uh, Rockhurst, which is a big football school. So I trained uh-huh. like a football player, you know, three, four days a week. I was lifting, benching, squatting, deadlifting, you know, yeah, starting freshman year, sophomore year, junior year, and then I left before my senior year. But I think that gave me a good, solid base um, with my strength. And then I, I realized, okay – you know, I, I don't have the niftiest hands. I don't, I'm not the fastest guy, so I better work on certain things that are going to allow me to compete with men. And, you know, when I got to college, I saw the, you know, Rob Blake's, Mark Puffins, uh, Kevin Dahl had a good, you know, NHL career. I saw how strong they were, and I was like, okay, that's an area where I can really spend extra hours, you know, in the gym, getting bigger, getting stronger, uh, taking care of myself, Um you know, even having, I'm drawing a blank on her name, our nutritionist here, like when she was asking Pat me, man, it was, maybe? I think it was Pat. Yeah. Yeah. She asked me like, well, what all, how much water are you drinking? All this. And coming from college again, I had like, what do you mean drink water? I, I didn't know you needed to drink water. <laughs> like, you know, I had, I had a Mountain Dew and beer regimen depending on yeah. when we were playing. And, uh, but yeah, no, it was just, you know, you just learn quickly about how to take care of yourself. And, and like you said, there was no doubt that my strength helped me, you know, get into league and then kind of hang on and stay in the league. You know, you have to have something, you have to do a lot of things really well and you have to do something great. And, you know, I think to, to really get yourself into a, like an NHL situation and, and fortunate I was, you know, my strength was definitely up there for me. Um, and, and like you said, you, you ducked out of Bowling Green after your, your junior year. Was that the caps coming to you and saying, Hey, we, we want you. And, and 
Yeah, I I had actually made the Olympic team that year and then uh, blew my knee out uh, over in France mm-hmm. in like a pre-Olympic tournament. I Albertville? Hit a, uh, okay. Yep, I hit a little Finnish guy. He hit the wall, bounced off, caved my knee right in, and uh, I got carried off the ice. And I didn't, you know, within an hour I had no pain. So I was like, all right, I'm going back. And they were like, no, no, you you know, you tore all the ligaments of your knee. You have nothing left. You're you're going to have to have surgery and you're out. Um, so I did and I rehabbed and got stronger and, and then luckily enough, uh, team USA allowed me to go to the world championships at the end of that year after I had, you know, rehab for nine months or whatever. And, and I kind of showed there that, okay, I, I was back, I could play. And then, yeah, Jack called me and said, okay, listen, we want you to get an agent, get, you know, we'd like to sign you. Um, you know, I, my, again, my coach at Bowling Green there, Jerry was like, you don't need to go right now. They have, they just had four guys with 20 goal seasons, which I don't think has ever been done again, you know, right. with, uh, yeah. you know, Hatchie, Coco, Cali. Uh, I mean, it was Al yeah. Ifredi. I mean, it was unbelievable. The guys yeah. they had there. So they were stacked. Uh, yeah, oh my goodness. Yeah. yeah. So my coach at college, of course, was like, just stay, you wait. And I was like, you know what? I need to, I need to understand the pro game. I need to play an 80 yeah. game schedule. I need to see if I can hold up, you know, at the time. I mean, my first year, I, you know, just icing my knee every day. And, you know, first year after knee surgery, plus the grind of playing in the American League and and everything that goes with that. Three but it was threes. a huge, oh, yeah. three and threes all the time. You know, by the last yeah. night, I could hardly go up and downstairs. You know, I was, yeah. you know, taking what I had to take to, to be able to play. And um, But it, it was the right move for me. I mean, it was it was time to to step up and try try the pro game. Kind of, it, it, it is a different thing. When you're playing junior hockey or college hockey, when you go to pro hockey, it's a, it's a, it's a different mindset. It's a different level of commitment. It's a different schedule. It's, you know, guys who can figure it out and take care of themselves have a chance to move on. Guys who who can't, you know, get out of their own way kind of, it's a, it's a struggle. So you started out in Baltimore playing for Barry Trotz. Yes, and, and yeah, then, Trotz and, then, and Paul Gardner, yeah. And then year two, you're in, you're in Portland, same, same, same affiliation. You guys win the Calder Cup. Yeah. Um, looking back now, because you know, over the years here, the Caps have had the the good fortune of having a lot of their affiliates win, and and to me, there's so much value in that development wise. How do you feel looking back with the benefit of hindsight? How much did did those those high leverage that that playoff run? I think it was ninety three, ninety four. How much did that was that a launching pad for your NHL career? No, I think it was huge. You know, not only for myself but for Ole and yeah, uh, a lot of guys. Yeah, a lot of guys. I mean, we we just had a. The first year in Baltimore, we had a really young team, and we probably had, yeah, I want to say 13, 14 first-year players kind of thing, and we were young. Uh, we had a few older guys, but they were kind of at the tail of their career and not really. The setup in Baltimore was just kind of weird. We practiced where the Caps practiced, so the yeah. older guys were still talking to their buddies across the hallway, and yeah. and they knew where they wanted to be, and, and I don't you know fault them for that. But then when we went to Portland, um, you know, Tom Ebright, did an unbelievable job with with Trotzy of bringing in the right veteran guys, you know, the Brian Currens and and Kevin Kaminsky and Kerry yeah. Clark and uh, you know guys that were f- kind of free agent like hard uh, AHL players to kind of teach us to okay, this is what you have to do to win in this league. And then you know, I, like you said, I, I think it, it helped me a lot with my mentality, with my, my commitment, instead of just being a young kid, just trying to survive, they really helped us. You know, those older guys, I, I can't, you know, Kent Holst, uh, um, Chris, uh, Chris, Jen- Chris Jensen. Yeah. I mean, just yeah. like those guys were instrumental to help me and, and a bunch of other young guys, you know, and a uh, senior Todd Nelson actually was, was on that squad. Yeah, with us. So yeah, I mean, it was just that, 
that different group kind of taught us how to be pros, taught us how to win, taught us how to, you know, the, the grind of hockey. And, and it, it definitely was super impactful. I know, you know, moving forward, you know, obviously, like you said, the Caps have had a good job, you know, a great deal with Hershey now. And, and obviously them winning last year is huge. Um, it definitely helps to have that, you know, learn how to win. And, and when guys come up, they know the expectation is, is that to win. And, and I coached in, in Syracuse for Tampa Bay. And again, like, my mandate there was as a coach was, okay, you need to develop players. You don't need to worry about winning. You need to develop, but us winning kind of helped the Eric Chernax and Anthony Sorelli's and Matt Joseph's and those guys that I had in Syracuse kind of move up. And then when they were winning cups in Tampa, I was like, they were, they were important players for them. Um, and when you did finally ascend and not finally, you got here pretty quick, actually second year pro or third year pro. Third I think pro, you were yeah. in, you were in Washington, yeah. uh, made the team coming out of the, the lockout there. So I think you played half season in Portland and then started here and then a little bit of up and down in, in 94, 95, but by 95, 96, you were regular in the NHL, but also you were a guy who was drafted in on in the ninth round and they had first round picks who, who were, you know, like Brendan Witt, who, yep. who were, you know, get getting th- those, that pedigree is always going to get you more looks. Sure. And that, that defense was stacked with, with veteran guys to the point where both you and Jimmy Johnson were, were playing wing a lot of nights. They'd draft, dress eight defensemen yep. and you two guys would be playing on the wing on the fourth line, which I got to think though, there was some value in that just, in, in it's sort of like a uh, a cop understanding how a burglar uh, burglar's mind works. You know, you're you're playing defense now. You're playing wing. That had to make you a better defenseman eventually. I would. Yeah, think. I think it did. It definitely taught me a different side of the game. And uh, you know, when you give a bad first pass, you know, I, I try to pride myself on having a good first pass. But if you give a bad pass and the winger doesn't get it out, everyone looks at the winger. But the, the winger knows and the D knows. You know, I quickly knew then. Okay. If you don't get a good first pass, it's tough to break out. I mean, you look at even games today, watching last night, and guys make good tape to passes. Yeah. They come out easy. When they don't, then it's it's tougher. So it definitely taught me a lot. I mean, it was – again, it was kind of – I kept that survival mentality for almost all of my career that, you know, I would do what I had to do. And that's – you know, there's so many – like you said, there's every year there's a new group of first, second-round picks that are coming up. Uh, plus the ones from the years previous that are, are trying to fight for a job too. So I, I needed to survive. So when I had coaches come say, hey, can you play on the wing for me? I'd be like, absolutely, whatever you need me to do. And I just want to stay in the league and make myself valuable and and uh, just kind of to keep it going as long as I could. One of the craziest things about your career to me was that you look at the guys who coached you, it's Barry Trotz, Jim Schoenfeld, Ron Wilson, Butch Cassidy, yep. Um, and Pat Quinn, Pat Joel Quinville. Quinn, essentially all defensemen until you got to Phoenix. Yeah, and you get Wayne Gretzky. <laughs> exactly. So it's, I mean, what was it like as a defenseman? To, to do you find that that defensemen who are coaches are a little bit harder uh, on the decor? Yeah, I don't know if I'd say. And was that a good I'd say thing a little or smarter, maybe, but but <laughs> not. But not uh, I always say I had a long career because of good goaltending, and and we were just a little smarter than a lot of forwards. But um, no, but I, I don't know. That's interesting. Like you, you look at how many guys, like you said, were were defensemen, and and I think guys kind of go one way or the other with that. They either want players to play like they played, or want players to play the way they wish they could have played. You know what I mean? Yeah, so sure. and, and they were all a little bit different, like. Uh, you know, I think in Ron's case, he he loved the offensive guys. I mean, 
you know, Ganchi, he was obviously a phenomenal player, and yeah. I got to play with him. But he, I, if he would have said, would you rather be someone more like, you know, Gonch or more like Kenny, it would be, you know, it would be more like Gonch, you know what I mean? Because I think that's the kind of player he was. Whereas Pat Quinn was more of a, a defensive guy, yeah. but but he was a very smart man. And he, like when I first got to Toronto, he was like, listen, I, I need you to make plays with the puck. You're going to have turnovers, and I can, you know, you need to, to minimize those. But – I needed to make plays. We have a super skilled team, and and he kind of knew the uh, the personnel we had. And I think for me as a coach now, that's what I try to mimic. I I try to mimic Pat Quinn or Joel Quinville saying, "Okay, here's the here's the team we have. Every year it's a little different, um, but you know I need to coach to help those players be the best they can be." And, and you know, for me to get you know, played with Shoney, he was like, hey, if you have a turnover, you're on the bench, kid. And, you know, I mean, I was – it was a terrifying every day coming to the rink. And I, I love Shoney. I think I he's a phenomenal too. person. But yep. but as a coach, he terrified me, and I was te- – you know. Well, you he's, were he's really like, young then, He's like, too. off the glass and out, or you're on the bench. I was like, uh, okay, you know, so – but – and then you have Pat Quinn saying, hey, I need you to make plays here. Like, you know, Matt Sundin needs a puck or Owen Nolan or – yeah, Darcy Tucker, whoever you know, Alex McGillney, like he can't chase down the puck for you. You need to get it for, to him on his tape, flat, so he has room. So, but yeah, no, that that is an interesting point. I didn't really think about that. How many of the guys I actually played for were D, but Randy Carlisle too, yeah. briefly in, yep. in uh, Anaheim. Yep, uh, and a good group type. Yep. You know, varied. You know, they had you know different. Who who would you say? I mean, you mentioned uh, Quinn and Quenville. Do yep. you think those two guys were the ones? Are those the one? Like when you're talking to players now, yeah. Any echoes in your head from? Would it be those two guys yeah, or other guys? They're or? they're definitely up there. Yeah. Um, you know, I I got to be a mature um, young man or person. I had kids when I played for those guys, so I knew in talking to my own kids how when you would say something, how they got affected by it. Whereas some of the uh, the other coaches, I didn't have a family yet or didn't have my own kids. So, you know, when they would say stuff, it would it was just interpreted differently, I guess, by me. So, yeah, I mean, when I look at how I, how I like to coach now and, you know, whether it's men, women, boys, you know, kids, pros, you know, I, I definitely look at a, you know, a Pat Quinn or the way he treated everyone or a Joel Quinville or, you know, there are definitely a couple of my favorites, uh, that I got to play for, which was, which was pretty awesome. But still at the end of the day, like, like we laughed, like we were talking earlier, like, I mean, your favorite coaches are the coaches that play you. And you know what I mean? Cause yeah. that's how you make yeah. your career. And th- right. both those guys, I had good minutes and good ice time. And not that I didn't for the other guys, but it just, you know, it, it definitely, they were good. They were really good to me. What, what was it like um, being here for that transition from Landover to, to downtown, and then eventually, and, and you weren't here for that, yeah. you know, moving from Piney to, to here. Yeah, it, w- it was uh, it was something special. I think it was, you know, to go from um, the Abe Poland group to Ted and his group, yeah. you know, to me that was, it, it was just a, a night and day. It was a night and day, breath of fresh air. Obviously, the Polands were great people. They did a lot for the community and everything. I just don't think they were really hockey people, mm-hmm. and you know, Ted was into it. Like he brought, you know, now his son is, I, I think, in charge yeah. of Mindy Sports. I mean, it's awesome. Like I remember him as a kid coming yeah. in, him bringing his kid to the rink made me excited. You know, it's kind of like the feeling when, you know, 
Adam Oates was here, and he didn't have kids, and, and I had young boys, and I'd bring them to the rink, and when they weren't around, he'd be like, well, where are your kids? I'd be like, well, they're at school, or they're this or that. He's like, well, I want to see them. And I was like, what do you mean you want to see them? And he was like, they give me energy. Like, to see young kids yeah. being here, being excited, being able to say, hey, that's Jeremy Yager, that's Ole Kolzig, there's Cali Johansson, like all the players, mm-hmm. which Ochi would grill them on. You know, it gave him energy, gave him motivation and excitement to keep playing the game that obviously is a game, and it's something we all love. So, um, you know, I mean, it just it was a it was a different time to go to Ted and his group, and uh, uh, I was going to say uh, Mr. Lydeck, he was was part of that yeah. group too originally, and I when Islanders. I was coaching the women's team, yeah, now he's with the Islanders, and and so to see him, and he's like, I remember your boys being the redheads being in the yeah. room, and. And all that. So, yeah, it was definitely exciting. And then to go from, like you said, to go from the old Cap Center in Landover to go downtown, you know, brand new arena, what a different feel. This place wasn't even thought of. I think they were talking about it when I left in 03. Yeah. But, but uh, yeah, it was it was just a special time, I think, to, to have that, you know, energy and enthusiasm. And then, obviously, Ted brought in um, – I told someone last night I went down and did an interview with Al uh, just outside the locker room, yeah. which my stall and, and Billers were right inside the door. And, and I remember one day Michael Jordan walked in. You know what I mean? I, I was like, I remember this hallway because Michael Jordan and his little entourage, you know, big men and his giant suit coats <laughs> came walking in. So it was it was pretty awesome to, to see that. Um, and you mentioned, obviously, you have three sons. They, they've all played. A couple of them played pro. I think one's still in, in school. Um, I, I'm guessing you coached them up. As, as they were uh, growing up, and you mentioned um, women's, co- you know, yep. coaching, and, and obviously a couple of years in, in Syracuse, it's a wide variety of uh, coaching. Was it something that you always wanted to get into? And um, what are your thoughts on, like, going forward? It, would coaching in the, in the women's professional league intrigue you or interest you? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I think when I first retired, I just – my priority was spending more time with my kids and trying to get, you know, obviously they're in school all day. So how do I spend time with them? Well, I'll assistant coach both their teams, you know, for the older two back then. And then the next year I was the head coach for both their teams. And then I had uh, my youngest bugs is coming up as a U eight, you know, he's four, you know, playing. So Mm. between the three of them, we're at the rink every night all the time. Um, then when they started moving on, like you said, two of them have played college. One is still playing college, and the other one is in actually in USHL right now. He's going to be at North Dakota next year. But, um, yeah, just kind of that transition where I went from doing something to really spend time with my own kids to, hey, I'm having a big impact on a lot of kids here, not just my own kids. And, and I think that really helped me give me purpose, give me, you know, another passion for something. And, you know, because I know how hard it is, like, with, you know, trying to make it like as a, you know, being a pro hockey player is never my goal for my kids. My, my oldest just played in the coast last year for a few months and then he got bounced out, but he made the decision. Hey dad, I think I'm ready to, to move on to other things. And I said, Hey, that's, that's great. That's your choice. She had an unbelievable career, played three years of junior, yeah. four years of college. Um, but for me, it was just finding that passion and helping other kids. Now I know that, you know, like I run into kids in the summer cause my kids are still training and doing their thing. We see kids that I coached, you know, that maybe only played through U14 or U16 or, or whatever age, it doesn't really matter, but just saying, Hey coach, you remember how, what a good time we had doing this or that, or, you know, you were on me about that, but you also made sure that school was important. And, 
and those sort of things. So, so yeah, I just it gave me a good passion. I actually, it's funny you mentioned the women's pro league. I, I interviewed with them for um, a coach, and well, I wanted it to be coach and GM, um, mm. and and I wanted to be in Minnesota because I wanted to be able yeah. to drive from Denver, which is our home. But um, so I didn't get it. But Natalie Darwitz is really a, a good hockey person, USA Hockey. Like once, you know, she's been an Olympian three time, and you know, she's a good fit for that area. She knows the area. She lives there. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's definitely something I. Still understand. Unbelievable with coaching the women's national team was a, a phenomenal experience. They're great people. They want to listen. They don't. There's no eye rolling. They're you yeah. know the girls are totally different than than the boys in that. Like they want to be coached up and they want to they want honesty. And it really, to be honest with you, it helped my coaching because I remember my first uh, camp where we have to cut players and get to our final 23 for a. For, uh, I think it was a Four Nations tournament at the time. Um, so, you know, you bring in 60, 70 players for camp, and then you're down to your 40, and now you got to go down to 25. Mm-hmm. So you're you're releasing a lot of players. But a guy who I was coaching with was like, well, the girls are going to know want to know why when you when you cut them, basically. And I was like, well, what do you mean they're going to want to know why? <laughs> like, the boys, we like, hey, you made it, you didn't. And they're like, okay, work harder next time. Like, that was it. But yeah. whereas the girls, they wanted feedback. Like, they wanted uh, – and they wanted you to be honest. You know what I mean? They would know if you were BSing them, and, and they and they were great. I mean, they could take it. They weren't – it wasn't a personal thing. They would just be like, hey, what can I do better to give myself a better chance to, to make it next time? And I would – I had to have answers, like, ready to go. So it wasn't – I couldn't falter or else, again, it would look like I – that we made maybe the wrong decision. So it definitely helped me with my communication skills and, and all that, And which I think that's with, you know, boys or girls players today. If you can communicate with them well – you know, let them know what you're expecting from them, their expectations every day, um, you know, how they're going to be treated as people, as as not just athletes who you need to score goals or stop goals every night. Like, you know, I think that's, you know, kids, the way they're raised now and just the way they think, you know, they're looking for feedback. So it, it would definitely help me. I think you're exactly right. And I, I think that's that's even at the NHL level now. 100%. I think, I think they, they need it, they want it, they have to have it. And, and, and even – be brutally honest with me. I, yeah. I, I need to know, you know, right. where I stand here. Um, did you have any coaches that, that fit that bill when you, when you were playing? Because there were, there were definitely some who were pretty obstinate, and they, they didn't even commu- – they, they'd send the assistants to Yeah. To no, no, I definitely – I had way more of, of that, of the other side, of, of just, like, assistant coach comes and sees you or assistant GM calls you and says, hey, you just got traded or, you know, those sort of things. But – you know, it wasn't that they weren't good people. I just, I, I think that was just the way it was then. Like there weren't the communication and the instant feedback that now, you know, players get from, you know, my son plays his junior game. He'll, he's playing right now. He'll be watching his game later this afternoon. He'll be watching his shifts. He'll be looking at it. Could I do this better? Could I do that yeah. better? Then tomorrow when he goes to practice, you know, he's expecting someone, one of his coaches to say, hey, you did this well. You need to be better at this. And, you know, I mean, he's kind of, that's his expectation now. So it's just the way players are. It's it's kind of astounding to me that that the Caps were kind of at the forefront of they were the first team to have a goalie coach Warren Strelow back yeah. in the uh, in the eighties. But it's only just this year that they've hired a full time dedicated skills coach. Yep. You know, you got teams now with skating coaches, obviously nutrition, psychology. There's so yeah. many so many things that 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 teams are paying attention to, and I mean, I guess it's just because. In a salary cap world, there, there's just so much parity. There's there's so 
little difference between teams anymore that any advantage you can find, you you got to try to to make it work for you. Yeah, no question. I mean, I think that's uh, you know, there's so many. I've got a lot of my peers now are are development coaches or skills coaches, and and it's definitely important I, to me. It's just amazing how skilled all the kids are. Like, I mean, when you watch a USHL team, how much how they shoot the puck, how they handle the puck. You know, I think just skills are off the chart. I, I think one thing that kind of stuck with me a couple of years ago when I was actually talking with Oli about different stuff he's done for the organization, one of them was, you know, teaching kids to be pros. I remember yeah. when he told me that, and, and uh, you know, I was like, that's really a good thing. Like someone who's been there, who understands the you're in, you're out, the pressure of I played 12 minutes, then I played 16, then I played 10. Like mm-hmm. how do you handle those sort of things? So to have, to me, having people like that, that have played and that have, you know, they're good people, they're, they can, they're respected by the player, but they also treat them with respect. Um, you know, it's an important, to me, it's an important thing for all organizations. I know a lot of teams are, are adding those, those pieces as well. So yeah, it's amazing. All this, the skating coaches, skills coaches, goalie. I mean, goalie coach to me is a normal thing. He's a coach. Obviously yeah. you need your goalies, you know, we had Dave, and you know he was he was, he was the only whisperer. You know, like one of my he, favorite guys. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I don't know how he, you know, took Godzilla from exploding to okay, calm down, focus in, and and do your job. So, and I mean, Ole's yeah. got a lot of cachet doing the job that he did. You know, he can point to his own career and say, "This is this is this is what can happen if if you stick with it." But right. e- even your own situation, going from essentially the campus of Bowling Green to a city like Baltimore. And, and, you know, you're on your own now and you, you got lots of free time and yeah. how do you handle that? And how do you, how do you deal with that? And I, I mean, it's, it's, that's 30 years ago. It's, yeah. it's changed a lot since then. What was that transition like for you without having a guy like Ole or anybody? Yeah, it, it was just different. I mean, that first year we were, like I said, we had 14 guys and, and I think I was, maybe a little more mature than some of the 19 year olds that we had coming from junior. Cause I had already been at college. I'd already been, I mean, yeah. I'd basically been out of the house for four years. So I, I knew how to do my own laundry. I knew I had to cook eat. A little I bit. had to cook a yeah. little bit. I had to, to do those sort of things. So I wasn't living with a billet. Like to me, that's a, an area where like a junior kid yeah. has never had to make his own meals or never had to you know do that. Whereas, you know, I had one year of junior where I billeted and then, but then I went to college for yeah. three years. So there was, you know, they were like, hey, take care of your business and, and make sure you're on time and, and uh, you know, be ready to go every day. So it was, you know, for me, I think that helped me being away at college, whereas sometimes junior players, I think, struggle with that because they've always had a billet or somebody. But, but yeah, it just, you know, I don't know. It's, like you said, you're, there's enough enough competition out there, and so it's so hard. Like, for me, I kind of quickly realized, okay, I can't make this harder on myself by not eating right or staying out too late or you know, now video games were kind of just coming in, but not, I wasn't a huge gamer. So I was yeah. like, I'm not going to stay up till two in the morning doing that. But so, yeah, I was definitely, you know, I don't know. It just kind of a maturity level. I guess my, my parents taught me to say, be respectful, take care of yourself and, you know, be, be ready to do your job. Last thing before we let you go, got to ask yep. you about the 98 cup final run, obviously. Uh, I mean, I think, I think my memory of it was that, that again, there, I think by then they had Phil Housley and Jeff Brown was here. And I, I think you were playing mostly wing when you were in the lineup, but I do remember in that Boston series, you hopping off the bench and scoring a, I think it was your first playoff goal. Just, <laughs> yeah, I think or so. just, just cranked one. And, yep. and by Byron, Byron, Byron Defoe, yeah, exactly. yeah. So my buddy Bizey. You know, what do you remember about that 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 run? It was a, it was a lot of fun, especially the night that 
that you guys landed after uh, winning in Buffalo. Yeah, it, it was unreal. I mean, just to see the excitement uh, to be going further than any team had ever gone, you know, for the Caps and and just the group we had. You know, we had a fun group. Like I said, we brought in some some other pieces that were older guys, but they were good guys. And you know, the Estetikins and the <laughs> Jeff Browns and you know how he was here. And we had you know it was just a good. It was a good group, I think, where everybody was, you know, pulling the right direction at the right time. Obviously, Oli was outstanding. You have to have it. Um, that Brian Bellows yeah, edition was yeah, good, BB, too. Yeah, BB, yeah. BB was here. So, yeah, no, it was it, it was definitely a fun. But it seemed like a blur because, actually, that was when you know, my, my oldest son was born April 11th. And I think our season ended maybe, like, the 14th, and then we started playoffs. So, I had a newborn at home, you know, <laughs> trying to – like deal with all those stresses and play. And I was in and out of the lineup a little bit and, you know, and a two month run. So it, it was a whirlwind. I probably didn't get near the sleep. I probably should have, but it was so much excitement and so much stuff going on, you know, on the ice, off the ice everywhere. It was, it was pretty crazy. My son had the good sense to be born between the Ottawa and the Buffalo series there. So I didn't miss any games. <laughs> But thanks so much to Ken Clee for spending some time with us today here on uh, this edition of Break the Ice. Uh, great to see you again after all these years, and all the best to you and your family uh, going forward. No, I appreciate it. Thank you very much, Rob. Superfood Performance Nutrition fuels the Washington Capitals, players, and staff on and off the ice. Each bite is energy-packed, highly nutritious, and engineered to boost recovery time. When they're not feeding pro athletes, Superfood is bringing the same high-quality nutrition to offices nationwide through their flagship corporate meal program, Simply Lunch. So if you have a high-performance team that needs fueling, check out mysuperfd.com for more information.